Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities Oddities on Elm Street. Is this part three? Part four. Um, Let me check before I say something. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not keeping track. It's unsolved. Yes. It is another unsolved mystery. Yeah, we did. We did the Panama hikers Mm -hmm. and Brandon Lawson. The second one was what? Oh, so this is our fourth, not third, because we did the Sodder Children, Mm. the Outlove Pass, Mm. and now we're doing part four. So brilliant, ma'am. Yeah, I put part three down, but I was like, that doesn't sound right. And it's not. It's not. It's cold in here, yeah? Yeah. I wore my winter boots this time. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, because it's going to... My weather episode is going to feel like 26. So it's like, it's probably going to be pretty cold in there. Yeah, we're literally like right on top of just concrete. <laughs> like this used to Exposed. be the porch. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any insulation in these walls. Hello? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like... I mean, the camera can't see my pants, but I got fuzzy pants. I got fuzzy socks. I got a fuzzy sweater. You all see it. Yeah. Still not a bra, though. I don't like bras, and I think it's because of the way I grew up. I did not. (laughs) I did not. Nobody told me that you didn't have to sleep with a push-up bra on. So I did. You slept with a bra. Yes. Like, like with the underwire and everything. I thought you had to wear it all the time as soon as you got the, the biddies. I thought you never took it off. Nobody told me. <laughs> so now I despise them. <laughs> yeah, I don't wear a bra unless I absolutely have to. I finally found um, some tank tops for work that have like an actual good built-in bra. Yeah, you need to send me that oh my link God. still. Oh my God. They are top notch. Well, anyways. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I feel like every episode we have at least one. Hello. <laughs> are we here alone? Seriously, though, I've been hearing noises. Well, throughout the evening, like more than usual. Yeah, what what are you gonna do? <laughs> Hello. Just... <laughs> Anyways, um, I wanted to remind everybody to send any of your personal stories that are fitting for what we do here. Send them to us, and then once we have enough, we can do an episode. Um, and the email is listenertales at gmail dot com. I haven't gotten any more since like. The first time we put the email out. Send them in. So, yeah. Also, this is this is episode 17? 18. 18? Yeah, 17 was part two of Lily oh. Puckton. Which, by the way, someone commented on my YouTube video. If you don't know, I post the videos of us on YouTube. Somebody <sighs> commented talking about Dave Pickton, Willie's brother. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly what they said. I should probably look before I continue speaking because, you know. Is she alive? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, you're pointing over my shoulder. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Is she alive? Who this bitch? <laughs> yeah she's alive she's looking right at me god my stop my heart can't handle it okay your comments Mm -hmm. yeah they commented and they said i think they said that dave was like accused of stalking a sex worker they, they said that their husband was friends with one of his victims, Marnie Frey. And I guess Dave was, like, accused of stalking a sex worker. And then I was kind of looking into that. And I didn't find anything about the stalking. But I did see that 
remember the the uh, woman that he worked with that said that he dragged her or not dragged her, but like somehow got her into a trailer on the construction site and mm. raped her. So she filed a lawsuit against him. He threatened that he would chop her up into pieces if she didn't leave town. Isn't that bonkers? So that kind of made me think like, mm, I wonder how innocent Dave is oh, he's in not. this whole he's Willy. Not. No, I think he either knew or was helping. Or just doing other severely fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said, quote, if you take this to court, they're going to cut you up and chop you into so many pieces, you're never going to be found. Hmm. What the fuck? What gnarly... I don't even want to call him human. Yeah, he's worse. He's scum of the earth. Scum. So, yeah, there's there's that little tidbit for you on last week's. Also, if you haven't already... Um, Make sure you go check our Patreon out. We have lots of lovely stuff. Bloopers, mini episodes. Yeah. And then there's more that's that'll be coming, you know. I joined and I scrolled through. And, <laughs> and then tried to force me to give you a shout out. <laughs> yeah, you gave one to our, no, our one only, other our only <laughs> our only other patron. <laughs> So. Yeah, so shout out to Lexi. <laughs> She's in the spooky as crow. <laughs> oh, so embarrassing. Oh, oh my god. It is really embarrassing. <laughs> Some of those pictures, like, thank the dear lord <sighs> for puberty, because it was a rough time. You were not, you were fine. I was so awkward. Why did I always stand like this? <laughs> Like, I've never known what to do with my arms. Just. <laughs> always. Like, why am I this way? I don't know. Well, you're missing some good shit if you're not on there. All right. Episode 18. DSA Ocho. Week number 10. You'll be hearing this. Week number 11. What? Like the daily forecast. <laughs> Well, let's let's jump in, shall yeah, we? Yeah. All right. Here what is are we talking our about Bob? unsolved mystery. Did you choose this one too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're good ones. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, Thanks. I'm not complaining. All right. So it is. Let's let's go back in time. We're gonna get on our time machines. When when March two thousand six. So like. Five years ago. <laughs> that is, seems like it. 27-year-old Brian Schaefer goes out with his friends to celebrate the beginning of spring break. But when the lights come on at 2 a.m. and the bar starts preparing to close, Brian is nowhere to be found. Brian Randall Schaefer was born to Randall and Renee Schaefer in Pickerington, Ohio, which is a suburb outside of Columbus. I guess growing up, he was really good at tennis. Can't relate. <laughs> but I guess, uh, you know, people said he was he was good enough to be, like, semi-pro. Oh, my gosh. So, but he just never pursued it. But instead, he pursued a career in medicine. And that was mostly out of inspiration for his mother. Brian's mother, Renee, was a nurse. So after graduating from high school in 1997, he attended Ohio State University for his undergraduate work. And after six years, he graduated with a degree in microbiology and then went on to study at OSU and was studying medicine in 2004. Jeez, That's a lot of education. Sure is. Couldn't be me. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Good for him. While in school, Brian meets fellow student Alexis Wagner, and she's majoring in the same field as him. The two of them begin dating. The week of his disappearance, Brian and Alexis had 
plans to fly out to Miami for spring break, but Brian never showed up for his flight. And this just wasn't something he would miss. This trip was really special to him, not only because it was rumored that Brian was going to propose to longtime girlfriend Alexis Mm. on this trip, but also because it was a gift from his mother Renee, a gift that she gave to him during their last Christmas together before she passed away. The reason that Brian wanted to pursue medicine is not just because his mother Renee was a nurse, but also because he had spent a lot of time in the hospital with her. His mother Renee had a very rare form of cancer. Bone cancer, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen pictures? No, and I don't want to. (laughs) It is insane. Anyone who's curious. Now I'm curious. God damn it. Is it like graphic? I mean, it, you, it's like not, no blood, no nothing, you, like just okay. just bone. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I wrote down the name of it. I cannot pronounce that that word. I'm the, the name of the cancer. Oh. Um, like we established, I'm not very educated. <laughs> <laughs> Can relate. <laughs> Ooh, that is gnarly. Oh my god. Look at that. So it's like just slowly eating away at you from the inside out. Wow. So yeah, she has this very rare form of cancer. And she died just weeks before his disappearance. His mother's death was extremely hard. And the two of them in particular had a very close relationship, so his mother knew how significant this vacation would be for Brian. After all, he absolutely loved tropical locations. His ideal lifestyle was to pretty much just be a beach bum, hang out and smoke a joint with Bob Marley. Didn't he say, like, he was pursuing medicine as his backup career? If, like, the muse is, like... Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, his real ambition was to start a band. Yeah. Like, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> so, just casually going to med school for in case eight that years. <laughs> yeah. So, Alexis is at the airport, and this is pretty much her last hope that Brian is okay, because he just would not miss this flight. She spent all weekend calling him, but has gotten nothing. And she's sitting in the waiting room when she hears instructions to start boarding the plane, but there's still no Brian. I can't even imagine, like, that sinking feeling that she must have felt in her stomach. Just knowing. Like, she's watching the plane take off. And she's knowing that her and Brian should have been on it. Like, I feel like that's when it's really real. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. I haven't been able to get in contact with him right this isn't just like like some a break fluke right like he's not here like this is something real this is bad yeah so obviously like she knows something just isn't right she calls brian's father randy and tells him what's going on and randy immediately drives over to brian's apartment when he arrives he sees brian's car parked outside and inside the apartment everything's in place Like, his bed is made, all of his textbooks are there, nothing looks wrong or suspicious, except there's still no sign of Brian. At this point, Brian's brother Derek starts to think, like, this has to be some type of sick joke. I mean, Brian was last seen on April Fool's Day, so Derek's thinking he's coming back, right? Just prankster. And it's almost like you just, you kind of, like, hope. You're like, well, yeah. Go to that versus... It's better to think that way than to think the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about his disappearance. It all takes place back on March 31st. This was a Friday and classes at OSU end for spring break the following week. So Brian meets up with his father, Randy, earlier in the evening to celebrate the beginning of spring break with a steak dinner. Hmm. Good taste. And looking back, Randy does notice that Brian seems a little bit exhausted, but he's been like pulling all nighters. You know, he's studying for he's upcoming in med exams. School, so and, yeah, I yeah. can only imagine. Seems stressful. Oh, I wouldn't I would, know. I 
but again, I could only imagine. Yeah, so I can barely hear it in my life working at a greenhouse. So, <laughs> well, it just it it all totally makes sense. So, you know, not much thought goes into it at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then at nine p.m. that same night, Brian goes to a local bar called the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Sounds That's like a good a, name. Sounds like a I'd great place to hang. Mm-hmm. So I've heard conflicting things about this this next little tidbit. I've heard that he meets up with his friend Clint, but then I've also heard that the two of them walk together to the bar. Mm. So I don't know which one of those actually happened, but either way, Brian and his friend Clint, they're at the Ugly Tuna Saluna, which is a bar in the South Campus Gateway Complex on High Street in Columbus. So they're there having a few drinks. There's a band playing on this specific night, so the bar is, like, packed it's the weekend before spring break. People are out enjoying themselves. Shoot, yeah. Yeah, so an hour later, so at 10 p.m., Brian calls his girlfriend, Alexis. She had returned to her hometown of Toledo to mm. visit her family before their trip to Miami. Mm-hmm. And while he's on the phone with her, Brian confirms their their plan to meet at the airport. The two of them finish off their phone call with Brian basically telling her he loves her and then they hang up so everything seemed fine there's no alarms going off for alexis at all brian and clint start bar hopping down the strip of the arena district i guess their thing was that they would go into each location and have a shot from each bar and then bar hopping yeah yeah you know you know i do Mm -hmm. after midnight brian and clint meet up with Clint's friend Meredith Reed. And she offers to give them a ride back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna where they started their night. And then she joins them for the last round of shots. And like, we do know all of that for sure. Like, that was all confirmed by CCTV footage. And then in that footage, you can see Brian, Clint, and Meredith riding up the escalator to the bar's second story entrance around 1 15 a.m. And from that footage, we can also see Brian going back outside just before 2 a.m. at 1.55, and he's seen chatting with two women in their 20s. When the lights come on at 2 a.m., Brian is nowhere to be found. His friends call him repeatedly. They look for him in the bar. They go in the bathrooms. I mean, they're checking everywhere, but they, they can't find him. So they wait outside, and they just, you know, hope that he's going to come out with the rest of the crowd. But they don't notice him among any of any of the guests. And so they kind of just assume that he must have walked home on his own. He lived in walking distance. So they left and went home. Which I feel like a good rule of thumb is if you go together, you leave together. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a boy, so I don't know if the rules are different. But for us girls, like, we stick together, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, they just assume he walked home on his own. They leave and go home. And then the following day, Brian's girlfriend, Alexis, starts to get concerned because she can't get a hold of him. And then for the rest of the weekend, all of the calls from Alexis, Brian's dad, and all of his friends would go unanswered. Now, Monday morning has finally arrived. And after missing his flight, he's designated as a missing person. So the search for Brian begins... Brian's girlfriend, Alexis, takes to social media to ask for help spreading the word. On April 3rd, which is two days after he went Mm -hmm. missing, that is the day he missed his flight, Alexis writes a really sad and heartbreaking post on her MySpace page saying, quote, I love you so much and I just want you to come home. Police begin checking local hospitals and shelters but they're not able to find anyone that matches Brian's description. The media gets involved. They pick the story up. Flyers start to go up all over the city, and then they set up a tip line. Police go back to the last place Brian was seen, the Ugly Tuna Saluna. They pull the security camera footage, and they see Brian. Like I said, they see him, Clint, and Meredith. They go up the escalator at 115. They see Brian in the outside of the bar around 1.55. He's talking briefly with those two women before moving off camera in direction of the bar, and then he's seen re-entering the bar. And that was the last time 
that he's seen on camera. We know he doesn't go back to his friends because neither of them saw Brian after this. So he goes back into the bar but is never seen leaving. The two girls he spoke to outside were also interviewed and they were able to confirm that he did re-enter the bar. Now, this is when things get weird. At this point, investigators are just kind of brainstorming. They're like, what, what could have possibly happened? Like, logically, it seems that there are really only so many different yeah. scenarios that could yeah. have taken place. So, one of the things they realized is that it was possible for Brian to have maybe, like, wore a disguise to exit the bar. So, they reviewed the tape again, specifically paying attention to every person that entered the bar and then checking them off their list on the way out. Right. Every single person at the bar that night was accounted for except for brian that just blows my mind it is so bizarre it's wonky how is that possible i mean there's obviously gotta be a way well yeah but like like what will we ever know i don't don't know. know so you may be asking like couldn't he have exited from a different door And that's a valid question. Mm -hmm. The building's only other exit was a service door that wasn't used by the general public. And this door opened to an active construction site, which, I mean, that'd be uh, difficult to navigate through. (laughs) Yes, brain. Yes, that is how you work. (laughs) Difficult. (laughs) Oh, I hate myself. (laughs) So, yes, this would be difficult to navigate, Um, especially for anyone who's intoxicated when they've been drinking. So, you know, not very likely. But, you know, in case he did, they're like, all right, we got to We got to check. So because Columbus, I mean, it's a college town, it has tons of security cameras It has the most security cameras out of any city in Ohio, so police realize they need to expand their search outside of the ugly tuna saloon. Yeah. So even though this back door doesn't have a security camera, they pull footage from the businesses next door to the bar, and some of those show the ugly tuna saloon's back door. Mm -hmm. But again, Brian has never seen leaving the bar on those cameras either, even from that back exit. But what's what's crazy about this, though, is, like, okay, say say they miss it and somehow Brian was able to slip through either the front or the back door without being picked up by any of these cameras seeing him, which is, like, already not a very likely possibility, but let's just hypothesize real quick. Mm-hmm. Brian had to have walked home. He didn't have a car at the bar with him. He lived close. So let's say he somehow leaves the bar but isn't picked up on any of the cameras surrounding that bar. He still should have been captured by any other camera in that area. But there's literally nothing. Like, no trace. He's very drunk. So there's no being like a sly Like stealthy. Yeah, Yeah. right. No, absolutely not. No, you'd be stumbling around and, you know, but very easy. There's nothing. And he's, what, 6'2"? Yeah, he's a big guy. Like, he's easily recognizable. You you know, miss you don't miss that. Yeah, and there's just no trace that this man even existed outside of the ugly tuna saluna. So strange. It's so weird. So obviously, police are like, okay, now what? (laughs) Now what do we do? (laughs) Well, nothing. Yeah, a few other things that they start doing is like checking their flights. You know, he's supposed to fly out to Miami on that Monday. They check, make sure he didn't board that flight without his girlfriend Alexis or any other flight. But that search comes up empty. They get search dogs. They're looking for him in the street and dumpsters. They're asking residents if they've seen him. They're also, like I said, they're putting up those flyers and they're making sure that the flyers and that they're hanging up around the city include a picture of him showing his most distinctive features. He had a Pearl Jam tattoo, which is super noticeable. 
Like, it's like a stick man, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then he also had a brown fleck in one of his eyes, which kind of reminded me of Madeline McCain when I heard that. Hmm. But yeah. um, Police, they also get permission from the city of Columbus to search in the city's sewer systems. But again, there's nothing. No useful information uncovered whatsoever. They also work with his cell phone company. They can see that the last signal he had was around 2.10 a.m. on that that day of his disappearance when Clint's text was delivered to Brian's phone. With the tip line now in place, they start receiving tips that Brian was spotted, like, all over the place. Numerous states and then, like, different places in the world, like Sweden and Jamaica. Mm Mm-hmm. So, very just random. So... Here are some of the theories behind Brian's disappearance. Yeah, I'll go over them one by one, and I'm I'm interested to know what your opinion is and what everybody else's opinion is, too. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Let's do it. So, the first theory is that Brian left of his own accord. Brian was suffering tremendously, tremend- tremendously. <laughs> I'm not going to say big words anymore. <laughs> He suffered lots. <laughs> lots and lots. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, he what? Brian was suffering tremendously after the loss of his mother. And sometimes grief can make you do things you normally wouldn't do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So people speculate about this theory even still today. And if him walking away from his life wasn't directly related to his mother's passing, another theory is that he wanted to start over somewhere else because he wasn't living the life he wanted mm-hmm. for himself. Yeah, I did hear a little bit about that too. As in like, you know, just about people discussing like maybe he felt a lot of pressure yeah. to be in the medical field for her. Mm-hmm. Now that she's gone, he almost has that, like, release. Yeah. And doesn't feel obligated to be somebody in that. He, right. He's not. Right. Well, not just that, but, like, also when somebody close to you passes, I feel like it can definitely bring out those feelings of, like, man, life is so short and I need to do what I want to do. Make sure that I get the most out of this small amount of time that I have, you know, like kind of puts yeah. things into perspective. It does. Cause you, you don't know what each day is going to bring. Right. And you know, you like in these kinds of situations, you have life before that day mm-hmm. and after. Yeah. So like it changes everything. Yeah. Just all of a sudden you get the news. Yeah. Which unfortunately so many people get. And, you know, they're all different stories, but have similar feelings to them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. And it's hard. And it, yeah, it's definitely life-changing. Yeah. And to watch, like, your loved one suffer so much, too, that's hard. So, yeah, kind of like what you were saying, Brian's dream was never really to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And some of his friends say that, you know, it was more of his parents' dream for him to become a doctor. Because Brian would have much rather just been, like, some surfer dude somewhere on the beach Mm -hmm. living day by day. But with this theory, his family is not very accepting of this idea. Mm -hmm. After he lost his mom brian and the rest of his family had grown super close so they just can't see it being possible that he would just like take off and leave and want to like deliberately put them through that knowing the grief that they had all just suffered with the passing of his mother just three weeks prior and then um another thing is that the night that brian had disappeared he actually invited his brother Derek to meet up with him at the bar But Derek was busy that night. So, because of that, Brian's family doesn't think that he would intentionally run off. 
you know, like if that was what your plan was, then why would you invite your brother to come? My thought is almost to like say goodbye. Yeah. I I can see that too. But yeah, and I don't know if it's one of those situations where it's like because it's his family and they're they're like too close to accept it almost. You know what I mean? Like it's Yeah. It's easier to accept that like he wouldn't do that. You know. Right. He right. wouldn't choose that. I mean, not that it's easier because the other options are also really hard to accept, but just you it's think like you they... know a person, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. And then for them to go and do something like that that's completely out of character, like it'd be hard to come to terms with. And the situation, it's like everyone handles it differently. Yeah. And like what I kept on seeing is his friends and family would say that it seemed like he was handling it really well, but that maybe he wasn't letting on to what he's actually feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like for me, I guess I can kind of, it's almost like easier to a point. Cause you know, okay. So like if I'm crying and then I get my shit together and then, but then like you come and you look at me and you can see that I'm crying and you're like, and then oh my I God, ask are you, you what's okay? wrong? And I'm like, no. And you start again. If I can break down yeah. again. Yes. No one wants to do that all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be... It's like a coping it's mechanism. Like, it's like... Almost. Disassociation. Like, compart... Compart... Compartmentalizing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily healthy, but well, that's... uh. Sometimes that's what we have to do, though. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Brian. Brian's father, Randy... He just, he truly believes that foul play has to be involved. Like, he's never even considered the idea that Brian would just up and walk away from everything that he's worked so hard for. And, again, the theory, I mean, none of these theories really, really make sense. Like, nothing is, like, in concrete. Mm -hmm. Because he's never seen leaving. Even with the disguise, like, he wouldn't, they would have caught it. They reviewed those tapes over and over again, and every single person is seen leaving except for Brian. So it's not like there was just like an extra person and they're like, oh, hey, who's this? You know, who's this lady in the wig? <laughs> you no, know, like, yeah, we didn't see that red coat yeah, come in. So I, I don't know. It's tough. But at this point, Brian's family is desperate for any answers. So Randy actually consults a psychic medium for help in the hopes that, you know, he'll get some type of clue of either where Brian is or what could have possibly happened to him. And this psychic tells him that Brian is submerged in water near a bridge pier. And Brian did actually live close to, um, I believe it's called the Olatangi River, which flows through Columbus and is like pretty close to the campus, the OSU campus. So Randy and Derek, this makes me very sad for them. Randy and Derek, they go out in waders and they start canvassing the river themselves for miles. They do this until Randy has like a brush with death. And while they're searching these waters, he trips and then he falls into the water and almost drowns in the same area where he's searching for his missing son. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. And then Brian's, like, obviously Brian, his his family and his girlfriend Alexis, they're just searching for months. And Alexis, during this time, is calling Brian's phone every day, just, like, hoping and praying that he'll pick up. And up until this point, it always goes straight to voicemail. But one night in September, which was about six months after his disappearance, his, it it rings three times, which usually like when a phone's out of service, it goes straight to voicemail or has like that error message, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. we're sorry, the number you tried to reach is no longer in session. So she hears these rings and obviously like this gives her hope that maybe Brian really is out there somewhere. His phone's on. Yeah. So, 
Alexis again takes to her MySpace page after this, and she says, quote, I kept calling it to hear it purely because it was one of the best sounds I've ever heard, even if no one picked up. When the family reached out to the phone company for an explanation, they were told that it could just be some sort of computer glitch. His phone wasn't GPS enabled, so they couldn't determine a location for it, but his phone did ping off from a cell tower that was about 14 miles northwest of Columbus. So that's, that's interesting. Kinda, yeah. But and six months later. Six months later, just out of the blue. And do we know anything about like how common that is for a, a glitch like that to happen? I have no I idea. I have no idea. I've, I didn't even think it was a possibility. But then I, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, this was like in 2006 when cell phones were kind of still relatively new. But I don't know. I don't know if that's like a likely possibility or just seems weird. It does. Like and, a, like, also heartbreaking. Well, Can yeah. Can you imagine that hope that she... Exactly. Like, like, experienced that when she first heard that ring? I can't imagine. And then just have it taken away like that. Yeah. Oi. Oi, oi. Mm. I know. It's, it's so sad. So, Brian's credit cards, his bank accounts, his cell phone, none of those have been used a single time since his disappearance. Now, as as if the Schaefer family hasn't suffered enough with the loss of their mother, and now the disappearance of Brian, two years later, the father, Randy, falls victim to a freak accident. One night in 2008, there's a severe storm with incredibly high winds, so Randy goes outside to check out any possible damage that was done by the storm when a huge tree branch suddenly falls on him. He didn't show up for work the following morning, and his body was discovered later that day. That is, it's like, it's like family cursed. cursed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is where things get even weirder. After his death, Randy's obituary is posted online for people to give their condolences, and the mm. posts received a mysterious comment. It said, quote, Dad, I love you. Love, Brian. And in parentheses, it says U.S. Virgin Islands. So, of course, everyone seeing this, like, oh, my God, like, Brian mm -hmm. really is out there still. And, like, the U.S. Virgin Islands, he had his ID and all of that stuff on him the night that he disappeared. I mean, you don't need a passport to get to the right. Virgin Islands. Right. It would be an easy thing to be able to go there with just your ID. So... People are like, well, maybe he really did just walk away and start a new life in the Virgin Islands. So police look into this to see exactly where this comment was made. And they can they can see that it was made from a public a public computer in Franklin County, which is in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And they therefore named it a hoax. People it's like, who the fuck would do that? Well, people do. I know. And, and, and those are the... Those are awful human beings. Also scum. Yes. Yeah. Like, what do you? What kind of amusement do you get out of that? It's so fucked up. Or like trying to scam family members out of like reward money. Like, oh my god. There's just, and then just wasting police's time. Yeah. Chasing down these leads that are just right as if you these pulled people, from your butthole. As if they haven't been through enough. Like, you just, ugh, it's disgusting behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the next theory is that Brian's friend Clint might have something to do with his disappearance. Clint was one of the last few people to see Brian alive and well. So for obvious reason, for obvious reasons, not for just her. one reason, but multiple. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I am catching on. <laughs> we so smart. <laughs> so, for obvious reasons, he's brought to the top of the suspect list. But something about Cliff makes him stand out a little more than the others. Mm -hmm. Pretty early on in the investigation, police talked to both Meredith and Clint because, obviously, obviously. they were there the night Brian disappeared. Mm -hmm. Meredith agrees to take a polygraph test, and she passes, 
But Clint, however, refuses and then immediately gets a lawyer. Uh, I would 100% do that. Ain't no way I'm taking a polygraph test. <sighs> yeah, I, I do. I do agree with that. Um, but obviously, it still makes it look sketchy. It's just, yeah. it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, this, yeah, definitely, like, undeniably makes you guilty in everybody's eyes. Mm-hmm. Or at least look bad. Yeah. So, through his lawyer, Clint says that he has nothing to hide. He's already given the police all of the information about what's happened that night. And, I mean, I get it. Polygraphs can't even be used in court because yeah. of their accuracy right. issues. Right. So, like, why? It yeah. wasn't 2006. So that was still the case, you know, knowing, I mean, he probably understood how that would make him look. And so that's probably why I got a lawyer. Yeah. He's probably like, well, if I don't agree to a polygraph test, they're going to think that. Well, and he should regardless. Yeah. Just because of how close. How close he he was was to to the the incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But. Brian's brother, Derek, is not convinced. He says that Clint is super suspect. Um, he gave an interview with Mel Magazine where he talks about how he didn't really know Clint well. Mm-hmm. But then he says, quote, I always thought something was off with him. The way he talked about my brother after he went missing, kind of in a negative way. I wouldn't expect that from someone whose friend just vanished. If Clint knew something, I hope he would have shared it. I deserve to know. So that was kind of interesting to hear that from the brother. Yeah. And like, the okay, the polygraph lawyer situation, totally understand. Yeah. But then, yes, he does not present himself well in other ways. And like, he Do you changes know? his name. He he. My God, really? Well, I didn't know it, that. It, like, Clint. Clint is his, like, from his middle name or something, right? But yeah, he goes by William. Right. Now, when he went by Clint before. Like, he just doesn't want to be associated mm-hmm. with the case. Mm-hmm. But do you know what, what Derek is referring to, though? When he's saying that, you know, he's kind of talking about Brian in a bad light after he's I already don't. missing? I don't. I couldn't find anything on that. I was trying to find some info about Clint. I didn't get very far. Well. And I heard just, it's a lot of, like, hearsay and yeah, other people talking out of their butts as they do. Yeah. Another reason Clint looks suspicious is because it was said that him and Brian got into a verbal argument that night in the bar. I did read that somewhere. Yeah, okay, so I saw it, and then I was like, where did I see that? And I could not find it again, but it was, I was looking online for it, but it was talked about on the ID channel. There's, like, a really short segment they did about it. It's, like, six minutes long, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I watched that, and so I don't know if that's, like, a confirmed thing. I don't know how trustworthy, like, the ID channel is in regards to, like, their sources and whatnot, but... Mm -hmm. That was something that they mentioned was that the two of them had gotten into a little argument in the bar. And so that obviously leads people to believe that things might have escalated and then Clint had something to do with Brian's disappearance. But there's never any, like, physical altercation caught on the cameras or anything like that. And that's the weird part. And, and again, they're drunk. They're yeah. not sneaky. They're not... Thinking stealthy. Right. They're not They're like just planning all these crazy things. Yeah. But yeah. So, but another thing that I thought was interesting is that some people think maybe Clint didn't do something to Brian, but helped him get away. Say, for instance, if he really did want to mm. start a new life somewhere else. And so he yeah. stages his own disappearance. Maybe Clint helped cover his tracks, and maybe that's the reason that he was so, like, against taking the polygraph and got a lawyer and all that stuff. But these are all just theories. Police are very clear and say that there's no evidence to say that Clint is even a suspect in Brian's disappearance at all. And it, and with, I mean, with these cases, that's all you can do is theorize. There's no... Which is, it's... 
Very frustrating. Oh, yeah. Very, very frustrating. For sure. And it's, it's, it's like, we very well may never know. And his brother may never know. And how tragic of a life. Right? I, I can't imagine what he... To have lost everybody around you in such... A short amount of time and all tragic. Yeah. It's that to me is like how do you how do you deal you know like, yeah. I can't and I did I hear some people like saying that it was weird that his brother didn't really want to do any like interviews or anything and it's like are you kidding me that time of his life who would want to yeah you're already dealing with so much and then to put yourself out there to be judged by the the people that are judging him for not wanting to go in front of the camera. Yeah, like, you can fuck right off. Yeah. Fuck those people. What? <sighs> yeah, I uh, I feel awful for Derek and... Uh, I mean, a little piece of me has just a little hope that Randy now, wherever he is, knows. Hopefully he finally <clears throat> knows what yeah. happened to Brian. Right. But it's it's all just so sad. And then like Alexis. Yeah. Having that close of a relationship where like you're about to go on this great trip and there's word that you're going to get proposed to mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden just gone, vanished, nothing. Yeah. So it's like at what point do you, do you like look for another at what point do you move on? Yeah. 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 Le- Alexis, she is married and has children mm-hmm. now. But I agree with you. Like, that is a hard... At some point, you have to accept that he's not coming back and it's time for you to... You can't just keep your life on hold. You can't, yeah, you can't just stay stagnant. Like, the world keeps spinning. Mm-hmm. Life goes on as sad as it is. Yeah. And, I mean... It's not like she didn't try. You have to live. Yeah, you have to continue living for you, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I mean, and, and Brian probably would have wanted that for her. If yeah. He really loved her, you know. So, <sighs> so another theory about about Brian's case is that he was murdered. Obviously, like that in itself is pretty ex like self explanatory, but. Something I found interesting actually came from Reddit. I know you'll be so proud of me for going on Reddit. I just want to say, like, we know it's not a reliable source, but it's still interesting because you <laughs> yeah. find you find some well, interesting things. These are things theories. On yeah, you know, I'm not saying these are facts. These are theories. Okay, tell me what you found on Reddit. Yeah, so there's a huge group of people on Reddit that believe that not only was Brian murdered, but he was the victim of a serial killer. And you might be asking, like. Why, why specifically a serial killer? And the theory itself, it actually comes from two retired uh, detectives from New York. They formed this idea of someone named the Smiley Face Killer. You probably oh. heard of him. Yeah. So during the late mm-hmm. 90s and the early 2000s, there was a large number of young men found dead in bodies of water all across the Midwest. And these two detectives didn't think that these were accidental drownings. Because they're, like, all young, white There was an M.O. In, in, um, in the Midwest, they were all intoxicated. Like, college age. College age. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's how they're able to link these drownings together. This killer supposedly has this M.O. of, you know, the intoxicated young college-age men, and it became known as the smiley face killer or smiley face killings, whatever, Mm -hmm. because at the scene of every drowning, there was a smiley face spray painted on the ground nearby, almost like a signature. And sometimes serial killers do this. Zodiac. Exactly. So was it possible that Brian could have crossed paths with this so-called smiley face killer? The possibility of this theory picked up even more steam when another college-aged man disappeared from around the same area, and his name was Joey Labute. In fact, Joey and Brian disappeared about a mile apart from each other. 
and Joey's disappearance also happened in the springtime, but it was about 10 years later. Hmm. The cases are also just super similar in the sense that in both instances, their friends lost track of them, and then they were last seen on surveillance footage captured at the bars in the area. But three weeks after Joey's disappearance, his body was discovered in, um, I think it's called Seoto River. But what's strange about Joey's case is that it was actually proven that he didn't die from drowning. I did hear about that. Yes. So, so he was thrown. He was alive when his body was placed into the water. They know that because there was no water in his lungs. Like when they performed the autopsy. You mean he was dead. He was, what did I say? Alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. He, yes, sure he was dead. <laughs> before he was He was dead in. before he was placed into the Whatever water. Whatever he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Which is very odd. Super odd. They, they never found any, like, signs of trauma mm-hmm. to his body, and there was never any, like, obvious and clear cause of death at all in his case. And so, just like Brian, it's another mystery. But yeah, and then the guy that you, uh-huh. what was his name and his whole ordeal? Andrew Chapman in a Columbus hilltop neighborhood from April to November of the same year in the same town, just gone missing. They were even about the same size. He was six foot tall and 175 pounds. So was Joey. Mm-hmm. Dark hair. Mm-hmm. He called his grandmother, apparently in a panic, and said he, he needed to see her right away. She wasn't able to come and visit him for several days, however, and by then he was gone. He left his car behind and has never been heard from again. That is so... I don't like that. The fact that he called in a panic like that and then disappeared... And they've never found him. That is so strange. It's crazy. It just, and again, it's like, there's no video of it, but it's still just like, he's just gone. He left his house and his car behind. With no explanation. Yeah. Except for telling his grandma in a panic that he He needs needs to see her. Yeah, yeah. So strange. I hate not having the answers to everything. (laughs) Yeah, so because the smiley face killer theory got so much attention, the FBI actually looked into it for several years. Mm -hmm. But in 2008, they put out a statement pretty much just saying that They did an investigation into it. They concluded that there was no evidence that Brian or Joey's disappearance were related or that either of them were killed by a serial killer. So the FBI is basically saying this theory isn't credible either. But to be real, like, they don't even know if it's a possibility because they don't have a body. They don't know what happened. They don't know if he's even dead. Right. I mean, you know... Um, the detective on the case actually said that there's nothing to indicate that Brian's not out there somewhere. My, I think one of my biggest things is, like, he would have to prepare for that, right? Yeah. And so you're doing this before you go out and get wasted, and then while you're wasted is when you disappear? It definitely doesn't make sense. I mean, it is, I mean... But, I mean, none of it makes sense. Right. He's never seen leaving like right and then i've heard people say like oh well he probably just uh walked out that service door and fell into the construction and got like poured cement over him i was like that you would you would see (laughs) well a human there'd be yeah i mean there'd definitely be like a sign that somebody was there but then also like they brought cadaver dogs in and I mean, mm. just from listening to Up and mm. Vanished about, I don't know if you remember, but mm-hmm. them burning Tara's body yep. in that field and, like, cadaver dogs, even if somebody, a dead body was in my living room, 
30 years ago, they can still pick up on the scent. If there was a dead person there, they'd be able to find it. So That and just no construction worker is going to just... <laughs> yeah, like... Like, not... I mean, what is it, quicksand? <laughs> like, you're not right. just sinking into concrete no, until right. the end of the Earth's land. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. Right. And I don't even mention that in, because... I don't know. I, I, just, I feel like I just heard that a no, lot. No, I saw like, that, too. And like, uh, it's just... Yeah, that is kind of illogical, in my opinion. But... I concur. <laughs> so, the last theory that we have is... That he either suffered an accidental death or he committed suicide. So we know that Brian had just lost his mother shortly before his disappearance. So, you know, this leads people to believe that maybe he had decided that he wanted to take his own life. But again, family members, they just don't see this even being a possibility. You know, they say it's not like him to do that. He never show shown any signs of depression. Yeah, well... But also, like you were saying, with the whole... That's just somehow... some. That's just sometimes how it is. People kill themselves and people are surprised. Yeah. Oh, it like, happens all the time. Like, and no one wants to think that... That somebody they love would... Especially being like, oh yeah, it makes sense. And I didn't do anything to try to help him. Yeah. Like... It's easier for... It's part of you ha feels like you have to take responsibility. Yeah. So it's yeah. easier to just no, say, I, like, I no, I had any, no idea. Like, there's, right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, so they say that, of course, he was upset, just like everybody else in the family, about the passing of his mother. But at no point, you know, did they believe he would do something that was, quote-unquote, out of character. But well, I think people can act out of character after something as tragic as that. Well, and it's while you're wasted. Yeah, and and also like the process of grief. I mean, you can go from totally fine and think that you have everything handled to suddenly you're you're, you're just flipped. not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, like with any of these theories, he would have been seen somewhere, somehow. I mean, if he took his life inside of the bar, he would have been found. If he decided to do, do it somewhere else, he would have been seen leaving. Or at least on some other camera. Right. Because there's so much around. That's what gets me. Because, uh, you know, they were saying like, you, there is a way to get out of the bar without being seen. But we're it, talking about like, a strip on, like, one of the biggest college towns in yeah. America. It's covered with security cameras right, everywhere. Right. But even, like, to get out, I'm like, he would have to know where to go. And again, back to the stealth. He's wasted. He's drunk. <laughs> He's not gonna, like go up against a wall or whatever yeah like it, it just it just again it just doesn't make sense right so i i did see that like some people were saying like if he was killed inside the bar or if he died on like accidentally inside the bar or whatever like somebody could have maybe wheeled him out and say a trash can mm -hmm. you know i'll deal with it later type of thing but even in that scenario i feel like Police would have reviewed the footage, seen something suspicious, and they would have been able to put the pieces together. You know what I mean? Like, I know that those things happen because, I mean, like, there's literally a case where a kid goes into the bathroom and kills his teacher and brings her out in a dumpster. Uh, and it's all caught on camera. But that looks suspicious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it just... Also, it's... It's a bar... On a very busy night yeah. in a very busy city, there's, like, people everywhere. Everywhere. What are you going to do? Just, like, and kill why? someone? <laughs> and then, yeah, what's your motive? And then are you going to pay off all your other fellow servers? It, yeah, like, it just, it doesn't make sense. But, again, do you, I mean, what do you think happened, though? Because I truly, I have no idea. I don't know. I did, um see something interesting 
and it very well may just be irrelevant. Someone was there, like going to the same school at the same time, and went to the um, ugly tuna. And they said that they were approached by two guys and a girl at the same bar who asked us if we wanted to be in a porn video. One of the strangest interactions I've ever had, and I've always felt it like it had to be related. And then I watched a couple get approached similarly around the same time, 2005, at another bar on campus, seemed super sketchy, and then they said, OSU and Columbus in general has been pretty scary in regards to human trafficking for at least a decade. Hmm. This is not related, but the next comment is, um, was gonna say this, saw a story the other day about some supermarket employee's body they found 10 years later wedged between a freezer unit and a wall. Oh my, what is that all about? Did they, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. The next comment is, this happened in Australia at Westfield Shopping Center. An old man with dementia went missing and they had police and family looking for him for days. Turns out he went through a door that took him to a rarely used access tunnel with doors that didn't open from the inside unless you had like a security uh, card. Yeah. He was stuck wandering for days until they eventually found him dead. That's sad. That's horrifying. That's really sad. And that I can't poor imagine man was he probably was, so confused. He was probably scared. So yeah. scared. Oh, that makes me I just know. want to cry. I know. Oh my god. God, can you imagine hearing that about like somebody you love? No. That they like yeah, I don't even want to think about it. <sighs> so yeah, um oh, this is really awesome. So remember how earlier I was talking about um, the Pearl Jam tattoo that Brian had? Yeah. He was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And like, I concur. I love Pearl Jam. I got to see them in concert back in 2016. Really? Yeah. So uh, we even considered naming our son after the lead singer, Eddie Vedder. So close. So close. Maybe if he ever needs a name change. <laughs> we'll We'll consider. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I saw that back in 2006, which was the year that uh, Brian went missing. Pearl Jam put on a concert in Cincinnati where the lead singer, Eddie, talks about Brian's case. And Brian's dad, Randy, was actually attending that concert that night. And this was like two years before Randy's death. And then Pearl Jam also performed in Columbus in May of 2010, and on that night, he dedicated their song Come Back to Brian, which is, like, so cr- Like, Brian would probably shit his pants if he knew yeah. that, like, Pearl Jam. Are you kidding me? That's that's very noble that they chose oh, yeah. to do that. That's beautiful. Yeah, they're, they're very, um, they speak out a lot about, like, actually, like, they have his case posted on their website. So I was like, that's neat. I love you for a reason. And I was also looking up um, Columbus crime data. Mm-hmm. And murders were up 2006 and 2007 were the highest, the worst really? time. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing that they were like redoing the city because it was like a really sketchy place and they like demolished a lot of the city and rebuilt it which a lot of people are redoing is like gentrification yeah yeah so they lost a lot of neat stuff trying to rebuild it yeah 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 on pearl jam's website they talk about brian's case and they mention that brian was looking forward to bringing his girlfriend alexis to their show in detroit on may 22nd 2006 but he disappeared before they could attend so Alexis had to auction off his t- the tickets, and she ended up using that money that she made from the tickets towards the reward money to help locate Brian. 
Sad. Yeah. So that is the case of Brian Schaefer. I do also want to add that if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Brian Schaefer, please contact the Central Ohio Crime Stoppers at 614-645-4545. And let us know your thoughts. Yeah. What do you think? I want to know what you think happened because I can't piece it together. I just, I can't make sense of it as much as I'd like to. That's, that's all we got for today. Another wonky one. Another unsolved mystery for the books. If you would all be so kind <laughs> to come back next week. <laughs> Please. We will be here. <laughs> as always. But until then, Whoa. remember to... Wait, 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 wait. wait. Where can they find you, Bob? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, TikTok. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Bobby Curtis Lee or on my Oddity YouTube on, uh, Oddities on, on Elm Street. Street or Patreon Oddities on Elm Street. Uh, and YouTube Oddities on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. And, and email email us your stories y'all. yeah listen to tales at gmail.com yeah bam <laughs> yeah. anyways let's get back to what i was saying <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's okay all right thank you all for being here and remember to always, always keep, keep it, it spooky. spooky that was horrible <laughs> <laughs>